Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. It is I, Jeff Dwoskin, host of Classic Conversations and your guide to this bonus episode of Crossing the Streams. What is Crossing the Streams? It's where we answer the universal question. I just finished binge watching something and I need to binge watch something else. What should that be? Well, you've come to the right place. We have binge watching suggestions at the ready. Our YouTube channel has over 96 hours of live show goodness for you. And of course, we have these bonus episodes where we feed a few suggestions right to you that we pull from the various live shows. Today's segments come from episode 87, 89, and 95. We're talking X-Files, we're talking Selling the OC, and we're talking Welcome to Wrexham. So all you have to do is sit back, listen to me and my pals chatting about TV shows we think you should be watching. Let's kick it off from live episode 95. Howard Rosner is going to take us through Welcome to Wrexham. Take it away, Roz. All right, let's. Uh, we got another one now. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go into uh, welcome to Wrexham. Thank- yeah, so this is one that I had heard about and I knew it was out there. I hadn't watched it, I don't know why, but just started watching it and just rolled through the episode. Welcome to Wrexham is a documentary series, it's 18 and a half hour episodes, not even half hour, 25 minute episodes. And it stars Ryan Reynolds and, and Rob McElhaney from Mythic Quest, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So uh, it is a soccer documentary, but it is way more than that. It's actually less soccer than it is kind of a human interest story. So if you don't know, you don't follow them at all. Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney uh, in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, bought Wrexham Football Club, which is a team in Wales in the English fifth division. So the English top flight is teams that you may have heard of, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, my team, Ron, our other uh, star of the show, and I are big English Premier League fans. The top flight's called the Premier League, and then there's the next flight called the Championship, League One, League Two, and then what's called the National League, which is where Wrexham is right now. Uh, So they bought this team, and what's really interesting in watching this is they didn't know each other. Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds had never met. They had only known each other from communicating via social media. Rob McElhaney became a fan of soccer, watching with one of his primary writers for Mythic Quest, who's British and a huge soccer fan. And he would watch it when they were in the writer's room and say, why are you so excited? (laughs) Rob is a Philadelphia guy, obviously, and a huge Eagles fan, big Philadelphia sports fan. So he started realizing the passion for the sport and he became passionate. They talk about in the first episode how he decided he wanted to buy this team, but he couldn't afford it on TV star money. He needed movie star money. And then he goes, (laughs) more specifically, I needed superhero movie star money. He reaches out to Ryan Reynolds and the two of them via, uh, you know, Zoom at the time, because it was middle of the pandemic, decide that they're going to buy this team. So Wrexham Football Club, like I said, is in the fifth tier, but Wrexham itself is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, I think, club team in the world. 
and their stadium, which is called the Racecourse, is the oldest international football stadium in the world, which is amazing. Dates back to the early 1800s. So there's a ton of history. And Wrexham itself is a town in Northeast Wales, which has a ton of history. So they kick off with them kind of presenting to the board. Wrexham Football Club uh, years earlier had been screwed over by an owner who was buying the team solely to uh, buy the stadium and tear it down and build real estate development. They, The team and the fans forced him out and needing to buy the team, the fans got together and in 24 hours got enough money together to buy the team itself, not the stadium. So they had to convince the trust of the city that they were not in it just for the glitz and glamour and, you know, it wasn't a lark, just something vanity for them to do. And, um, and they really weren't, um, which is cool. It's cool to see them kind of do it. So gets into the end of 2020. For those of you especially that have watched Ted Lasso the couple of seasons, you know kind of vaguely what the relegation system is in English football, which is every season, the top three or four, depending on what tier teams in the standings will go up to the higher league. And from that higher league, the top three or or the bottom three or four teams will go down. So Wrexham is at the lowest point. Below them is semi-professional. The difference in player salary, a Premier League player in the top averages about $4.9 million. That's the average salary, whereas it's about $42,000 for a player in the National League where Wrexham is right now. So it's a big deal. Every step you go up, the team makes more revenue, but so do the players. So it's, it's a huge career deal. It's a huge business deal for the team to go up. And it kicks off with them during the end of the 2020-19-20 season trying to trying to make their way, or 2020-21 season, trying to uh, make their way, and they just fall short at the end of it. And then it picks up with the offseason, them having to you know get rid of a bunch of players, get new players, uh, get a new manager, um, decide to make uh, changes to the stadium to improve it. Uh, which was a major part of what they committed in their business plan. So there's that, there's bits and pieces of soccer, but it is so much more than a soccer documentary. It really, there's significantly more on screen time for citizens of Wrexham talking about how much the team means to them, how much it means to the city, how they live and die truly with the success of the team. There's episodes where um, there's a great episode. I think it's about sixth or seventh in where it's Ryan Reynolds and Rob um, doing kind of uh, skits, just basically talking about Wales itself (laughs) and educating people on Wales, the language, they do almost a cooking show with uh, a woman talking about great Welsh delicacies. They do kind of a talk show where they're interviewing people about Wales itself. Super, It's a super interesting show. If you're a soccer fan, I think you'll love it um, because there are great elements of how them building a soccer team and kind of like the, uh, you know, just like hard, the uh, HBO Hard Knocks. You get the behind the scenes of them trying to build a team. You get to see Rob and Ryan interact, which is really funny. They're two great, sarcastic, great improvisers in the comedies that they've done. And you get that for sure. You get really educated, but then you do get some melodramatic. Follow some of these 
people, characters from the town of Wrexham and what they're going through. You know, a, a, a guy who's um, 96 years old and has been going to matches since his father took him when he was seven. They've been through every flight of English football in his lifetime. Uh, and now 15, 14 years down at the bottom of uh, football and just like, when are we going to get back up mm. a level? And then, you know, just uh, other people, um, a guy going through a divorce and just uh, trying to be happy through Wrexham's, um, you know, a- attempt to get promoted, the cheering for the team as being a major connection with his kids as he's go as the family's going through this divorce. So it's it's a really, really it's an exceptional series. It is, like I said, it's their 27, 28 minute episodes. So you can plow through six, eight a night, no problem. It's really easy to watch. I mean, really, really, it's easy to watch. It's just it's on Hulu, um, but also was on FX as well. Because of the popularity of Wrexham via social media, especially Ryan Reynolds social media they do one time they talk about a statistic they they go combined ryan and rob have like 45 million followers on instagram and twitter and then they do a bar chart that shows that like 92 percent of it is ryan reynolds (laughs) (laughs) It's it's pretty funny all right Roz, that was welcome to rexham rexham i barely knew him sorry all right, up next, Ron Lippett's going to take us through Selling the OC. Take it away, Ron. Sit in uh, Selling the OC. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Listen, I, you know, I am not such a reality television guy. And this was served up to me by Netflix. And I just figured, you know what? I, I've got nothing better to do. Let me, let me check out an episode of Selling the OC. <laughs> And let me just see see what it is. And maybe I'll report on it, you know, on the show and just, you know, talk about whether it held my attention or whether I laughed or, or whatnot. And I just, let me just start off by asking, has anybody seen this? Selling I have not. Nope. What is the OC? Orange County, California. Oh, okay. that's Los, what I thought. Los okay. Angeles, right? OC was a TV series from 2000. Yes. That's true. Yeah. That's right. The OC. Yeah. So this, it is a real estate reality television show. Uh, what's interesting about this show is Keep this in mind that this is the latest iteration of the exact same formula and franchise as about a half a dozen other shows just like it. And we could probably extrapolate that to probably 30 other shows uh, just like it in terms of what it is they're they're trying to actually achieve. There's no moral redeeming value with the show <laughs> whatsoever. They they are literally spoon feeding the American idiot exactly what they want. <laughs> And let me just add further, it's on Netflix. So there's no FCC, there's no regulations on what they can or can't say or show or do. It is an unbridled mess that unfolds (laughs) right before your very eyes. It sounds amazing, Ron. So I just want to say, you know, just purely on that basis alone, it is car wreck interesting. Like I, there are limitations to things like keeping up with the Kardashians and, and some of the other just complete mess shows that somehow hold our attention. This is a, I would say they took it and put it on steroids is the best way I can describe that. One of the shows that it's compared to is a, is a European show called Love Island, which I wouldn't expect any of you guys to know, but you, what you should know about Love Island is that Love Island was the highest rated show in the UK 
had 57 episodes as mm-hmm. number one in the UK. Yeah. And it all because it had the exact same formula as this. Um, you could make an argument that The Bachelor and Bachelorette, which is a you know, franchise that has absolutely exploded uh, into uh, the American uh, psyche and now has actually two different forms of each show uh, being served up to, to U.S. audiences is amazing. And, ne- and now Netflix, it, like I said, giving you exactly what you want. It's just another iteration of an absolutely bonkers formula this time being you know a real estate show this is a follow-up to a show that nobody ever saw on network television called selling sunset i don't know if anybody's heard of that show so it follows the exploits of a los angeles-based real estate firm called the oppenheim group which is owned by uh these twin dudes 45 year old guys who are mega mega successful selling the sunset boulevard area of los angeles uh, and they they built this thriving practice, and uh, and the show covered the exploits truly of a, of a real estate real estate show. What's interesting about that on a personal level, Howard, you know, our our good friend Brian's brother actually developed a reality television show also about the exploits of selling uh, real estate. In his particular case, it was about selling real estate to professional athletes, uh, right. particularly ones who came into brand new contracts. I thought that was an interesting formula to find out what young people who suddenly come across millions of dollars what kinds of things they would buy and how a real estate agent could help guide a, a very uh, personal yet important decision about their, their real estate choices. This, however, is not that. Because what this is, is basically about a dozen Los Angeles overly hot, overly moneyed young people who use real estate to be the worst absolute versions of themselves in lying cajoling, spreading falsehoods about each other, about their competitors, um, doing whatever it takes to sell these deals. And the way this is covered and followed makes you love some of them, makes you hate some of them. Uh, And I just have to tell you, as terrible as you feel (laughs) when the episode finishes and you're like, I cannot believe I just watched 48 minutes of this. I I swear (laughs) you find yourself a day later saying, hey, I, wa- I wonder what happened with Angie. You know, I wonder, <laughs> I, I wonder if Nick ever got that deal. I, I wonder the opening scene of, of episode one, they're selling a $100 million Laguna property. $100 million. You know, someone's going to get a, a $6 million commission on this deal. I think it was actually less than that, but uh, something like that. And it's a scramble. It's a fight. And and now you're wondering who's going to get that deal and how they're going to sell it and and who's going to have sex to, to make it happen and who's going to lie about someone's mother and who's going to uh, have a big party and invite the right people to it. And I just want to point out that this is uh, an absolute symbol of America. It is a perfect show for audiences that want nothing to think about. They don't want to look at the news. They don't want to hear about anything real. Uh, They just want to see beautiful people screw each other all in the name of of selling deals with real estate. And if that's what you're looking for, and if that's the kind of release that you expect and desire uh, from your television show, particularly on a network like Netflix, where you have everything available um, in terms of nudity and violence and and all the horrible things that they can offer you on Netflix. <laughs> this is your show, ladies. Horrible. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sounds to me like you described the best show ever. All right. Selling the OC. I think you know if that's your kind of thing and whether you'd like that show or not. Definitely sounds like some fun, mindless entertainment. 
All right. And our final spotlight of this bonus episode is from live episode 89, The X-Files, Scott Curtis, friend of the show and host of the amazing podcast Behind the Bits. Take it away, Scott. Take us through The X-Files. Hello. uh, My name is Scott Curtis, and I'm watching The X-Files all the way through for the third time. And if you know me, you know that I am not a nostalgic type of guy. I don't care about anything that happened in my past. I just look at the future. But the X-Files came to me at a time when my kids were little and it was like the only show that really spoke to me. So I like never missed an episode. I always watched them live when they were first aired anytime I could. And I absolutely loved it. So probably five or six years ago, I did a second run through on it and I loved it again. Now I'm doing the third run through and I'm, I'm about halfway through season two and I'm starting to pick everything apart. And it's, uh, (laughs) I'm starting to second guess everything that I loved about the show, but fantastic show. I mean, the writing's good, the way they put everything together, all the conspiracies and conspiracies and stuff like that. It's just that David Duchovny was not that great of an actor when he first started. He got better. Mm-hmm. I remember him getting better. But man, those first few episodes and that really the whole first season, it's like the most wooden acting you've ever seen. So here I am. I'm recommending The X-Files because David Duchovny is such a bad actor. <laughs> but, but no, I <laughs> okay. just... I, I, it's, uh, it's one of my, it's one of my favorite all time shows and it's kind of disappointing looking at it at this age now that everything that I loved about it, I'm starting to think maybe the third time around wasn't the best idea. Um, but I, I don't know if you've experienced that, uh, if you've ever watched any series three times, but yeah, (laughs) I I did break, I did breaking bad three times and all three times were good. I have to say, wow, for breaking bad, it's like breaking bad to me. Like if someone said, watch Ozark again, and believe me, I thought Ozark was one of the best series I've ever watched, but breaking bad, same thing. It's just, it was a, it was a hard, it was a draining. It took, it took a lot out of you. Uh, I rewatched The Sopranos recently and loved that experience. I think sometimes, though, like, I don't know that they anticipated the binge, right? Yeah. When DVDs came out and and they they invented that whole concept of, oh, they'll buy people will buy entire seasons on TV. It opened up an entire industry that I don't think they saw coming, but it allowed people to watch things in rapid succession. Even watching week to week, you have... uh, you know, you don't fully retain everything, but if you're yeah. watching something, three shows in three hours, which people yeah. do, yeah. you know, then yeah, you can start to see things like we've probably watched friends 50 times. And at some point you're like, wait a minute, this is contra- fully contradicts. <laughs> so, talk, talk about the X-Files though, in general, like, you know, yeah, what originally I mean, I mean, Basically, what it is, is, you know, uh, David Duchovny uh, plays a character whose sister was abducted when they were children. And so he's Fox Mulder, and he was in the FBI as a profiler, a criminal profiler, but he's always wanted to investigate this supernatural stuff. And he got the opportunity to do it when they opened the X-Files and then they sent Gillian Anderson as Dana Scully to be kind of his foil. Um, so she she doesn't believe in any of this stuff. So 
they kind of play off each other. And, you know, it starts out really looking like a pretty simple two-dimensional type show. It's basically, it feels like, okay, they're going to have a weird case. They're going to solve it. They're going to go on to the next one. But then even in the first season, these little conspiracy things start creeping in. Like the government is, there's a shadow government behind some of the alien stuff. And I I don't want to give away everything, but the there's puppet masters in different fields doing different things. And are they leading Fox and Scully to these things on purpose or are Fox and Scully getting into, or Mulder and Scully, are they getting into stuff that they shouldn't? And it's, it's really kind of cool how they, they kind of throw them in and then they pull them back and throw them in and pull them back. And the cool thing about it is you never really know who you can trust. And you know, the big thing about, is trust no one you never know who's trustworthy until the end and they did 10 seasons so you just ten don't know seasons wow i didn't know yeah. that yeah that's a lot yeah and and they did so many cool things in it you, you talk about breaking bad so aaron paul and brian cranston both had roles in the x-files and so many other characters came out of the x-files they created kind of a, a a cool like universe within itself. They did two movies. The last two seasons came out, I think, uh, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. Those seasons were a little bit lackluster. It wasn't it wasn't the same type of energy, but it tied a few things up. Was that the reboot, Scott? Yeah. When did it originally air? Like, when was the start date on I it? I believe it was 92, 92 oh, wow. or 93. That's an eternity. Yeah. Wow. Was it always on Fox, right? Yeah. Yeah. What it was, is it, it what was is one it of the on first now? shows that Fox put out. What is it streaming on now? It, stream, it was live from 93 to 2018. There you go. Um, so Hulu's where I watch it now. Oh, Hulu? Okay. Yeah. They've got all seasons. Talk to me about the Smoking Man. Cigarette Smoking Man. Oh, man, he's just such a bad guy. I mean, that's one guy you could trust to be a bad guy. He was he, he was behind everything. There's a really cool episode. I can't remember what episode it is, but Skinner passes uh, Mulder where a smoking man is staying and Mulder confronts him. And this is I think it's fairly early in season two. And because uh, I just watched it not, not too many days ago. And the funny thing is, is he really admits that he's just a cog in a machine. You know, he says, I've got some power. I've got I've got no family. Nobody cares if I die, but I'm just doing what I know how to do. And it really sums up what he is in that small conversation. I mean, that conversation went on for like two minutes. That's it. Because Mulder was going to kill him and then he decided not to. It's really uh, interesting that he is just pretty much summed up in that com- in that whole conversation. I'm just I'm just a cog in the machine. And doesn't Duchovny leave the series at one point? He does. I think it was like season seven or eight. They brought in, um, what's his name? The guy that was in uh, Terminator 2. Oh, uh, Robert Patrick. Yeah. They brought him in. Uh, they brought they brought another one in for Scully. So, you know, Duchovny, was, I think, was doing some movies or something like that. And mm. so he skipped out for a while. I know Gillian Anderson skipped out for a while. So, you know, they, they came in and out. I mean, I thought, from what I remember, everybody, they dissed that whole Ryan Patrick season. But I thought he was really good. 
All right. Yeah, he was 2000, 2002, which is probably when the original series ended and then they picked it back up in 2018 for that reboot, yeah. right? Yeah. That was a long time between the reboots and stuff. And the movies, I remember, always being okay. Yeah. The first one I was pretty disappointed with. The second one I liked better. Do you think the series was kind of a of-its-time type thing? You know, it's so funny. I dig some episodes and some episodes I just, I, I get lost. I, I, I just don't care. I know that wasn't my attitude the second time through. First time through, I was glued to the screen. Second time, I'm just kind of reliving everything and taking in what I miss because you you know you miss stuff when you got little toddlers running around and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, being dedicated to watching it, I I really dug it this time. I'm just it's just a more critical eye. I don't know if it's uh, if it's a, of its time or if it's you know I'm just moving on. Still good. I mean, if you've got something that you want to watch and want to give it a shot, I would give that first season a try. If you hate it, then don't watch anymore. If you like it, then it keeps getting better. 193, no, 217 some episodes. How many episodes? Yeah, they did 20 some per season. Well, I know Jillian Anderson was in 217 episodes. Fox was in 193. So that's the most, assuming Jillian was in all of them. So there could be more, actually. Hmm. So, yeah, that's a lot of TV to catch up on. Are they half hour, hour episodes? Hour, hour. 45 minutes. Hour, okay. So, all right, so it's on Hulu. And you can watch the evolution of David Duchovny becoming a good actor. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hi, he he had one of the greatest scenes uh, ever in a comedic movie that I just found out the other day was ad libbed. It was uh, in um, oh god, <laughs> Zoolander. <laughs> Zoolander, yes. What? Are you, oh, really? I just I just told you that. Was it <laughs> such a nice little oh aside. the hand model? Yeah, oh, that's funny. That's funny. All right, Scott Curtis from Behind the Bits Podcast. Check out his podcast. If you love the X-Files, check out Classic Conversations, episode 178. I interviewed William B. Davis, the cigarette-smoking man himself. Great episode. All right, so you got the X-Files, Selling the OC, Welcome to Wrexham. Sounds like you've got a lot of homework ahead of you. I'm not going to keep you any longer. Head on over to the couch, grab your comfy spot, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while.